Amen. Thank you, Matthew. Good morning, City Light. And also thank you, worship team. You guys did a fantastic job. It's good to be with you. Like Matt said, my name is Tyler, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here and uh, following Jesus with all of you. It truly is a joy. Uh, what I already love about this church is our gift of hospitality. Like before you decided if you liked us or not, you helped us move in. Like set up bunk beds and carried in boxes, uh, served us, loved on us. It was fantastic. And then shortly after that, we got COVID. And uh, apparently you did like us because you brought us some meals and you served us and uh, some even cut my lawn. I mean, it was just, uh, it's just been amazing to be a part of this family that is so hospitable. And I also love to get to worship with all of you. Um, it's, a, it's a niche of ours, if you will. Like from day one, when I stepped in this church, I'm like, these people like to sing to Jesus. And it's beautiful. Um, it is powerful. Um, and I, I hope that we never lose that. Like in this family, there are people who got promotions this week at their jobs. And then there are people wondering, will I have a job this time next week, right? There are people that are extremely hopeful and there are ex people that are, are extremely, that are hurting. But yet, when we come together and we get to sing and we get lost in the sea of singing, if you will, it's like all those things just kind of drowned out for a moment. We lift our eyes up to Jesus um, and I feel for Tim because he's always leading us. Maybe he needs us to sing back to him for a moment, right? So he can get caught up into that and be refreshed. But it is a gift of ours and I pray Friends, I pray that this place would always be a place filled with people that collectively lift up the name of Jesus uh, in singing, in sermons, in city-like kids, out in city groups, and uh, we would always be encouraging and exhorting one another. Um, we kicked off our, our core values, Matthew did, and I've had the privilege of sitting in the seats for the last two weeks, and now it's my turn to carry the baton, if you will. Um, we're calling this our family traits, these core values. It's what makes us us. It's because it's what matters most to us, and we looked at down. He walked us through down, which is the gospel. I'm going to have it up on the screen. I want us to say this together. Read it together with me. Is it on the screen? Not yet. Nope. Next one. <laughs> um, there you go. Okay, so ready. Let's read it together. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Nailed it. Boom. That's the gospel. It's the good news. It's central to who we are and what we are all about. The gospel is a non-negotiable. We never graduate from our need of the gospel. Then Matt talked to us about in, right? That's the transformation, the spiritual formation, if you will. In light of how good the gospel is, that changes us, right? That shapes and molds us. It changes our desires and where we spend our time and our energy. It transforms us. There's a stirring that happens when you say yes to Jesus in your heart. And that faith molds us and moves us from repent to repentance and right relationship with God and his people. And so this week, we'll be looking at our family trait in, which is community. So let's jump right in. I wanna take your attention to the beginning of the story in Genesis, and I wanna start off with a statement. You, me, we were created for community because we were created by a God of community. Okay, we were created for community because we were created by a God of community. Some of you are looking at me a little sideways. Here's what I mean. A God of community, we see it right at the beginning of the story in Genesis. When we read, we get this picture of a trinity. God wasn't alone on the scene, right? And there's all this chaos, yet God is redeeming and restoring like he is still today. He's bringing life and, and order out of all the chaos. He fills that good world, teeming with life. And then when it came to the crown of his creation, 
you and I, Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So who's the us? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit present there in creation. God in perfect community, perfect relationship and fellowship in the Trinity. And we were created in his likeness. So you seeing it? So thus, we were created for deep communion and deep relationships and fellowship, meaningful fellowship with one another. So often around here, you'll hear us say, the church is a community, right? A people, not a place. A body, not a building. Church is not somewhere you go, but rather who we are. The Bible says we are living stones being built up on top of one another into a spiritual house, a.k.a. the church. I don't know when's the last time you marveled at that. Like you and I, we are part of this spiritual building, if you will, that Jesus is building. We are the church. So I want to summarize community for us this morning like this. Community is a people that collectively lifts up the name of Jesus, and out of the love for, of Jesus, we love and serve one another. Now, I don't know if that's a run-on sentence or not, but all my gram, grammar friends out there, you can come let me know at the end of the sermon, okay? So we are a spiritual family. Jesus was sent to rescue and redeem us, to restore, our, to restore us with right relationship with God and with one another. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, I want you just to take a look around this room for a moment. Lift your eyes, look around. This is your spiritual family, right? If you're in Jesus, this is your spiritual family. Jesus has grafted us into his family. But like any family, there's always a little dysfunction from time to time, right? We aren't any different. We are all called to be loving and forgiving and gracious, unified around the person, the work of Jesus. But if we're honest, we don't always live that out very well like we should. But I don't think we should give up, rather strive to do this. In fact, the New Testament alone has over 100 occurrences of one another. So over 100 times, the Bible talks about one another's. I think it's fair to say that God cares about this community. He cares about this spiritual house. He cares about you and me, and he cares about how we live. And maybe, just maybe, we need a reminder once in a while, right? Reminders like uh, Ephesians 4, where it says, forgive one another. That one's tough, right? Pray for one another. Maybe somebody pops into your mind, your spiritual, a spiritual family member pops into your mind through this week. Can I encourage you to just pause and pray for them? Who knows what they're going, out, going through? Love one another. This command occurs at least 16 times. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? If I'm honest, like it's really easy for me to bear my brothers and sisters' burdens. Like if you need help, I'd love to enter in. I'd love to pray for you, support you, whatever I can do but it's hard for me to receive that help sometimes. Anybody else there? And I think it's because we live in a culture where we are told that men, you can't be perceived as weak, and women, you can never be perceived as anything than perfect, right? Isn't that a lie? Like, can we just say that's a lie this morning? Like, women, you're not perfect, we love you. Men, we are weak from time to time, and we need each other, right? And so um, when I got COVID, believe it or not, as much as I was blessed by all of you, it took Jason reaching out to me three times before I said, yeah, we'll take a meal. The kids are probably hungry, right? And my, <laughs> my grass was getting kind of long, right? I'd rather struggle with COVID than, and, uh, and bear the pride and cut my own grass than just to say, yeah, I need some help, because 
It's hard to be perceived as weak, but we all are there at times, right? And that's not the gospel, right? The gospel isn't you have to be perfect and you have to have everything together. Jesus said, come as you are. How about show hospitality to one another? First Peter 4, 9. The board out in the hospitality area, I think, shows that we take this one seriously, right? And we still have some time before the end of the year, and I pray that we can just make a beautiful mosaic out of that thing, all for the glory of God and the good of those around us. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This one's kind of fun because we can get a little competitive. Anybody competitive in here? You haven't hung out with Matt very much. If you, if you, Matt can be very competitive, and so can Jacob Slough, apparently, because I had the privilege of going out uh, with these guys for their men's huddle and convincing, or com- it was just a coincidence that Matt told me he forgot his wallet, right? Right when we're walking into the restaurant. So it's all right, I got you. I'll bear one of those burdens. I'll cover you. I got it. Well, Jacob Slough somehow hurt, caught wind of it, and he like grabs the ticket from the waitress before I even could blink twice, and his, car, his card's already out, and he's ready to pay. It's fun, right? Like he's ready to serve. He's ready to, to show um, this brotherly love to one another, and we can get kind of competitive about it, and we can have fun with it. Um, that happens from time to time. Uh, like Matt said, we had an awesome cleanup day where a bunch of people showed up, and I'm convinced that if it wasn't for uh, Arnold supervising, and I'm, yes, supervising uh, Dave as he's cutting those bushes, they wouldn't have turned out as well as they are, right? But he's there encouraging and building him up, and uh, let's have some fun with this as a church, and let's see how we can outdo one another in honor. Uh, the one another's is what God wants for his family. This is, this is what he wants his church to look like. So why do the one another's matter? Matt read the scripture for us, but I think Jesus got to why this community matters in John 13, 35. He said, I wanna read it again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. So who's they? You know that lost neighbor that you've been praying for? That lost friend or family member? Maybe the coworkers or classmates that don't yet know Jesus? They will know Jesus by your love for one another. It's amazing how Jesus can partner with us and what he can accomplish through a community that in love for Jesus is sold out and willing to serve and love one another. They will know Jesus by our love for one another. God's method for building his church is for us to love one another. It's not about how dynamic the preacher is, how awesome our worship team is, how interactive our youth ministries are. Those are all great things, right? But they're not there in John 13, right? God's method for building his church is for us to love one another. That's a community, that's a family. And we could wrap up right here and go home, right? If you, if you don't hear anything else, I hope you heard that. So, I'm gonna keep going though, I'm only halfway. <laughs> But that being said, have you ever wondered, like, what is my purpose? Like, am, am, am I making a difference? Like, what role do I play in the church? Have you ever asked those questions? Sometimes I ask myself, maybe this afternoon you could go home and whatever way you surf the interweb, maybe on your tablet or computer or phone, you could type in what are the one another's in Scripture and make sure that they have the Bible verses with them. But I want to encourage you just to read through the one another's. And as you read them, take a note. Maybe there's two or three that you feel like you do really well. And then just pray and ask God, could I live this out this week? How could I live this out this week in my city group? How could I live this out in my community this week, this month? And then maybe 
pick two or three that you feel like, man, I'm not so much like Jesus in this area. And pray that Jesus would stir your heart and stir your affections for, to love him and to love and serve one another. And in the end, I think we'll look more like Jesus. Would you agree? So if you don't have Google, come talk to me. I'll get a printout for you. I'll be happy to get that to you. Uh, a pastor that I look up to, Francis Chan, he said, the church shouldn't be like any other community in the world. Friends, we are extremely hopeful that what God is doing here uh, is going to make an impact in the next generation and generations to come. It's supernatural. It's beautiful. And he's doing it right here in good old southwest Iowa. We're not forgotten. And we believe he's just getting started. Like he's just getting started. So let's seek Jesus fervently. Let's love one another sacrificially. And let's share the gospel boldly um, because the gospel is unstoppable. To get there, though, we're going to have to put down some walls. Like, we'll have to open up and be honest about our fears, our struggles, the sin in our lives. We'll need to let people in who we trust. And I know that can be scary, but who do you trust? Who lives in a way that you're like, I, could, I look up to that person. I admire the way they follow Jesus, the way they love their husband or their wife, the way they lead their family, the way they carry themselves in the workplace. If you can trust somebody like that, open yourself to them. But that requires commitment and transparency. In the last several decades, psychology has come up with some interesting theories uh, that I believe the Bible has talked about for over 4,000 years. But anyways, those idea, this idea is called mirroring. And it's the idea that you can't fully know yourself until you see yourself through the eyes of others, right? So community matters, especially Christ-centered com community. And psychology stumbled on this, and they're like, wow, this is game changer, right? We can really serve and help people get a deeper knowledge of themselves, walk in greater wholeness, and open up their capacity to walk in deeper relationships with others. We figure it out. No, no. God had it figured out in the first two chapters, right? And so here's a call for me to, to ask for you to come be a part of a community, a deeper community, where you can truly be known. Because in doing so, we can know and have a greater understanding of who we are in Jesus. Like for me, that was when I joined City Group. It was about four years ago, and I had an opportunity to share my story. Um, and there's a lot of healing in that. If you haven't shared your story, what life like, was like before Jesus, and then how you encountered Jesus, and what life's been like since you encountered Jesus, uh, that's a powerful way to get to know people in your community. I encourage City Groups to do that if you haven't. But anyways, after sharing my story, and people still loving me and accepting me for my faults and failures, right? Loving me like Jesus. That's powerful, and that's transformational. Uh, and then they're able to call out some things in me that I didn't see in myself. And who knows if I would be where I am today if it wasn't for that community. Because if I'm honest with you, I wouldn't put myself up here. I think there's another guy, right? There's somebody that could do it better. There's somebody that could lead the church and is more suitable than me. But thankfully, Jesus calls the weak things of the world, right? To confound the wise. And so is that community loving me, encouraging me, and spurring me on, getting to know me and me knowing them, uh, that honestly I feel like has set me up for where I am today by God's grace and it just, taught, it just took a step. Uh, I know it can be scary going to a new place, a new house, being in a community, um, but we'll talk about this in a little bit. I don't think there's anything that can unify a people more than the person of Jesus Christ. Some of these walls need to start coming down. You know, we need to reject the culture, and we need to step into honest relationships with one another. So, I'm calling you to fill out a Get Connected card. Even right now, you can stop listening to me. 
Grab one and chair back next to you if you haven't already, and let's get you connected in community, and let's see what Jesus has for all of us, because we're way better together than apart. There's no Lone Rangers in the family of God. Like even Tonto, or even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, so I hear. I've never seen an episode. Sorry, but there's no Lone Rangers in the family of God. God, and God wants more for us than just mere connections, right? What we see in the Godhead is not just connections, but it's communion. It's a deeper level of knowing than just a kind of being connected. And that's why people would rather go to the country club, right, and swing clubs on Sundays than be in the church, because they can't have that kind of community at the country club. But by God's grace, we will keep following him, and we'll lay down some of our old tendencies and mentalities the, church will, the world will see this, is, this church's supernatural love for one another, and God will keep growing and adding to this body, uh, and we'll keep encouraging one another until the day draws to an end. So that kind of community, though, it takes work. It requires trust and sacrifice, but oh, it's so worth it. We were created for it. To actually be known and have deep, meaningful relationship, it's gonna take commitment, but isn't that the gospel? Like Jesus did all the heavy lifting for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like Jesus lived the life that you and I should have lived and he died the death that you and I deserve. Uh, he's committed to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So this kind of community, it's gonna take commitment. So application, practically, it's gonna take a commitment to one another. But we're so much better together. Like Dave being supervised by Arnold cutting those hedges. <laughs> Who knows what they would have wound up looking like if it wasn't for them doing it together right? Who knows where you would be without doing life together, right? With a brother or a sister, um, encouraging you, spurring you on, praying for you, holding you accountable, doing life with you. A bunch of people in community is what it's all about. Hebrews 10.25 says, do not neglect getting together as some are the habit doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. They would have never had a context for just a Sunday morning gathering, one hour, right? Their context was eating and breaking bread together. Their context was serving together, being together in community on a regular basis. And they didn't even have like Facebook or instant messenger, like phone calls. Can you imagine like how intentional you would have to be to actually be together with one another? The primary way that we live this family trade out is in city groups. And again, like I said, city group is a place where I was bored into, I was invested in, it's a place where we can do life together, be on mission together. It's not just about us getting a whole bunch of head knowledge. We want to encourage and build one another up so that we can be sent out to be a light into the world. And maybe this looks like for you just opening your home for the first time. Like, are you usually a host for Thanksgiving uh, because you know how to light down the kitchen? You can pick up the house, like not perfect, but you can pick it up, light a candle. You don't even have to cook. You could just order Chinese for the night, right? But just like open your house. Maybe that's the next step is for you to host a city group. Would you pray about that? Maybe you've been in city group for a minute and you just feel a stirring in your heart like God's maybe using, wanting to use me to lead discussion. Like if somebody would come alongside me with a little bit of help, I think I could do that. If that's you, would you pray about possibly becoming a leader? And we would love to come alongside you and raise you up. We commit to one another. There's no lone rangers in Jesus' family. We, can't commit, we can commit because Jesus is fully committed to us. He'll never leave you nor forsake us. He told us it's a done deal. But this is more than an obligation. We need each other. We're brothers and sisters. 
So it's gonna be, take a commitment and it's also gonna be challenging. Like some of you are thinking committing is the biggest challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge, I understand. A lot of us have thought, why would I wanna commit to another thing throughout my week? It's already busy enough, my schedule's full. But most of you who've also had that mentality have said you couldn't imagine your week now without City Group being a part of your regular rhythms and routines. And so I pray that you feel the, the pull and the desire to be a part of a spiritual family like this. Can I lovingly say, if you're bored with your Christian faith, it might have something to do with being more of a spectator and not a participant. Like nobody wants to read about a game, right, all the time and not actually play the game. It's like sitting down for family night and cracking open a new game of Yahtzee and just reading the instructions because I haven't played it since I was a kid with my grandma and then closing the pamphlet and be like, okay, kids, it's bedtime, right? That's not going to go over very well, right? They want to start throwing the dice. They want to play. They want to interact. They want to be in it, right? Friends, when we read the scriptures, God does some crazy supernatural stuff through people, and I believe that if we open ourselves if we move from being a, parti- a spectator to a participant, right? If we allow ourselves to be challenged and we change and we commit uh, and we have that mindset where I'm not holding back, I'm all in, I believe that God can do some crazy supernatural stuff through this community, through you and me, and it's gonna be beautiful. Maybe you're fearful and you think to yourself, what, well, what if we don't have anything in common, right? What if they're younger than me, right? They're, they're not really my friends, they're not my friend group, um, I don't know what's keeping you guys from stepping into community, but I can tell you that there's nothing under the sun that can unify us like the person Jesus Christ. Like we, we aren't gonna look the same, we're not gonna think the same, we're not gonna act the same, and that's okay. It's actually a good thing. If we make it all about Jesus, we'll have unity. I wanna take your attention to Revelation's closing here. Uh, it just paints this powerful picture of community. Starting with verse nine, it says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that, that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with the palm branches in their hands. Can you think of anything else that could bring every tongue and nation together? Yet this is the picture that we have in heaven. And yet this is our Jesus, right? And it starts with community. It starts here on this side of eternity. In this world that is so divisive in every way possible with tension, but yet Jesus is saying, I'm gonna bring them together. I'm gonna, I'm going to be, it's gonna be challenging and it's going to cost me everything, but that's the church that Jesus died for and is coming back for. So let's, be, let's not be divisive. It's not an us versus them mentality. Jesus died for us while we were enemies and Jesus died for your enemy to be brought into community. I wanna pray and then we're gonna just do a little um, exercise together. Tim, what did you call that worship experience that we did? Examine. We're going to do some examine, too. We're going to get some application in for a minute. It's going to be good, but let me pray. King Jesus, I ask that, um, God, you just convince us that um, a God who's in perfect community and unity and fellowship and relationship with himself uh, would convince us that that's a necessity for our Christian life, for our walk, that we are called to do life together, um, that we can put down those walls, the barriers, where we feel like we have to perform, where we can't let people in, where we wanna be known, but yet we're too scared to actually allow people to know us for who we are. Uh, Jesus, I pray we'd be more convinced um, every day that we are yours, that we are your sons and daughters, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. And Jesus, I pray you do a, 
a mighty work in this community. That, Lord, we would be like the first church uh, that was built on the things that pleased you most, God. That was focused on the right things, and uh, that was actually very attractive to the world. And, God, I pray that we would be like the early church where we're about community, where we're about serving, where we're about seeking and saving the lost, Jesus. And I pray you would do these things for your glory and our good. Amen. Well, church, uh, in this time of reflection, uh, I just want us to create space to hear from our Heavenly Father. Um, There's an important question that I ask myself, and I think we should all ask ourselves whenever we come together as the church um, to worship, and that is, what, what, what's my motive? Why did I come to church? Was it to serve or was it to be served, right? Because uh, if we're not careful, we can make it about all kinds of stuff other than what it really is about, and that's about Jesus, and that's about one another. And so in your own quiet time, would you just, uh, for a moment, Tim's gonna play some beautiful tunes on the piano, and uh, we're just gonna do some business with God. And I want you to ask yourself, did I come here to be served or to serve others? What motivates me to do what I do? Is it the one another's in scripture or is it about something else, right? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. And then if you feel like the Lord speaks to your heart um, and it's the one another's, then could you just pray, praise God for that? Just lift up praise and ask him to do that in us, in our midst mightily. And if there's something else that comes to your mind, would you just take a moment to confess that to Jesus? Uh, May we be a people that don't make about anything else other than Jesus. And so just take a moment for for that and uh, then we'll have communion together. Thank you for uh, going there with me. Um, I trust that the Spirit is speaking to you, that uh, the Lord is moving. He's in our midst. Um, And he said, as often as you gather together, that we are to break bread together, take communion and remembrance of him. Like it was on the night that our Lord was betrayed, that he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. In the same manner, he took the cup and uh, he said that this is my blood spilled for a new covenant. It's a new relationship, God redeeming and restoring us in right relationship with the Father and one another. And so this communion, it's also about us and God, but it's about one another as well as much. So um, maybe you just keep meditating on the one another's, uh, but whenever you do business with God and on your free will, come on up here. And if you're in Jesus, let's take communion together. Love you, see you later.